This is Aiden Knight, and you are listening to Wrestle Life Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Wrestle Life Radio, episode 173. We're getting up there. What episodes? Yeah, we're getting we're getting ever closer to that 200 that we keep talking about. I think uh, I think we need to steal JR's thing and we just start opening the show with it's Friday morning and you know what that means? <laughs> Another Wrestle Life Radio. <laughs> I do this, love that uh, they've taken that whole thing onto like their advertisements and everything. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just a good, you know, phrase in general. To, yeah, it's a good marketing know, kinda, to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a, anyway. it's a nice tribute and it's, it's a, you know, works both ways. Yeah. But yes. We're but, here. uh, we have a lot of news to get into, uh, before you, before you even get into dynamite. Um, and we're, we're just going to jump right in. Um, and actually, I don't know if I mentioned I'm joined this week by Micah. How's it going, Micah? I'm good. I'm here as always. So, I'm just so anxious to get into this news. Matthew doesn't work to introduce anymore. us. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, so there's some big news this week, um, actually involving AEW and WWE. We'll, we'll start with WWE first because it's not like major news, but it's it's news. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'd like to give you guys updates. We're not watching WWE programming anymore, you know, or reviewing on the show at least. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, I'm not watching it anyway. But uh, we had some NXT talent. We, we had like um, WWE... Uh, you know, post WrestleMania released some superstars and now NXT got their turn. Uh, we had six wrestlers and two referees initially. Uh, this was yesterday. Um, let's see, I'm going to read their names. Uh, Kavita Devi, Jessamyn Duke, which Jessamyn Duke, obviously part of the Four Horsewomen. Um, she's featured on Shayna's uh, YouTube uh, channel a lot. I see them do, uh, they roll each other on the mats and stuff. Uh, but they're obviously really good friends. So uh, that was a little bit surprising. Um, also, Ezra Judge, Skylar Story. Um, that is, uh, I believe her name is Brandy Lauren. And she is Joey Janela's girlfriend, or was. I don't know if they're still dating. But at one point they were. And uh, she was a little bit surprised to me because she was just got brought on the company in October. Uh, so that was pretty quick in and out for her yeah it's it's very strange it's not usually the nxt way i don't know what specifically happened or if they just really didn't see anything in her because usually they'll let people hang around for a while and see if they turn into something and then train and everything and then you know cut ties but that was, that's a really quick turnaround for nxt yeah she she was involved in evolve back in the day and um i, I was just tell Micah before we got on, um, Meltzer reported that she was even on a list of, they, they give accolades and recognition for people who like break their, you know, weightlifting record and stuff like that, you know, cause they are big into lifting obviously. And, uh, she had, you know, climbed up the list and was like one of the most improved, uh, in the squatting category just behind uh, the rock's daughter. So, um, I mean, I obviously, mean, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was just kind of surprising because usually, you know, people dedicated to weightlifting are usually pretty disciplined. So, it, you know, it's, it would be odd if it was a disciplinary issue or like you said, maybe they just, you know, she wasn't producing the ring. But, yeah, just a little odd for her to be out so quick. And then uh, Vanessa Bourne, also a little bit surprising um, because she, right before the pandemic, I remember she was 
you know, looking like she was going to be featured on NXT. Um, you know, she made her debut and, you know, has an impressive look. Um, and then at like pretty much when the pandemic happened and, you know, they went to the PC and everything kind of shut down and they didn't have a crowd for a while. She kind of just vanished and never came back. So, and then probably the biggest name out of everybody, uh, superstar wise to this point, I will say, but we'll get there in a minute. Uh, Alexander Wolf, uh, formerly of Sanity. Um, he was released, which I was kind of surprised by that one. Um, it wasn't, I mean, I guess I'm not totally surprised. He hasn't done anything in a while. But, uh, I mean, he was always a good kind of, I mean, he. I liked him in Sanity. He, he was a good, big, very similar to like Rowan. You know, he's like a, a bigger dude who can, you know, be someone's lackey and, you know, be kind of menacing. And WWE yep. kind of like to keep those guys around. So a lot of people um, had a lot of good things to say about him too. Yeah. So, uh, and then we had two referees who were, uh, Drake, uh, Wirtz, I guess is his name. Yeah. And Jake Clemens. Um, I'm guessing, uh, the Drake Wirtz guy was the one who was a crazy QAnon conspiracy guy. Very pro- problematic to have as an employee. Whenever you're like spewing QAnon rhetoric in your NXT referee shirt, I mean, that's not like on pub in public on video. That's not very good. So. Yeah, F- uh, Fightful apparently reported that he had quote nuclear heat brought upon himself. So he was head ref for a little while there, and then very quickly he f- fell from grace, kind of like another guy. Um, yeah, that may have just gotten released today. <laughs> yeah. So these were the names they released yesterday, and then we thought that was it. I mean, apparently. They did say that they could be more coming, and sure enough, once today, only one, but it was pretty, I mean, for the most part, pretty big one, at least NXT-wise. Velveteen Dream got yeah. released today. Um, I mean, I read it. It wasn't totally shocking um, because of, you know, kind of what he had been involved in, you know, the, the last year or so. Um, but it's... I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm kind of sad because uh, he was Patrick Clark. He came in and um, on the Tough Enough season, and he was one of the best I thought on that show. He he had good promo skills. I mean, right out the gate, basically. And I was happy to see that he got signed to NXT and then developed this, you know, very WWE appropriate character um, that was kind of like a mix of like, you know, Rick Rude meets like Prince. Um, so I mean, like, just look like he. You know, it was only a matter of time before he, you know, was up on the main roster, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, definitely a fall from grace, as you were saying. And um, whenever I started watching NXT, he was the one I was like, oh, he's made for Raw. Like this guy is for sure getting called up and he's going to do great. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, he had some issues in his personal life uh, in that he liked young people. And uh yeah, apparently he also had a lot of attitude problems from from what I'm reading, and uh, emotional issues, as you can expect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I uh, I'm not surprised to see him get released. I'm honestly surprised it took them so long because NXT had like some serious heat with the internet back when everything was released on him for not doing anything. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I got told Cal. I think kind of think like they were waiting on another release, like a mass release, to like lump him in there with them. So they weren't like 
singling him out, but but they didn't lump him in. They waited. It's true. They waited after, a couple days after and just did him by himself. It's like we're releasing these people, and also screw Velveteen Dream. He's fired too. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, a little odd, but um, it's also kind of weird because Triple H. Um, people were asking about him with all the you know allegations against him and everything because they didn't angle on NXT where he was in a car accident. Uh, or no, he actually wasn't a car accident. And um, they were take they took him off TV after that, and they asked him if it was the car accident or the allegations or what was going on. And Triple H uh, was quoted by saying that there was nothing there, so he was defending the guy for a while. So it looked like he was going to kind of let him lay low until things kind of blew over, and then you know bring him back. But I guess it was just never meant to be. And yeah, curious you know, he's to gone. see if he goes somewhere. If he does, where he goes. I feel like somebody like Impact would still take him, and he'll probably do like pretty good there. But I don't know, man. I, I don't know if any big company is going to take take him. Yeah, he might be damaged goods at this point. It's yep. it's one of those get the old Marty you know, Scroll treatment. Yeah, and like, oh, excuse me, um, the Joey Ryan treatment. All I mean, any of the above that have you know these type of allegations that are just not good. Yeah, that, I feel yeah. like Joey Ryan's on another level, though. Joey Ryan's like, I don't know. He did have a lot like of allegations. Joey Ryan's <laughs> like on the Crispin Wall level. Like nobody talk about this guy. Nobody mention him. Like I don't want to be seen with this guy. I don't want to see this guy on my screen. Like just deleted from history kind of deal. Whereas the other guys, I don't know. Uh, not saying that what they did wasn't as bad, or I mean, I am saying what they did is not as bad as Joey Ryan, but. uh I feel like Joey Ryan's got that extra level of heat. Yeah. No, you, you might be right. And somebody might take him. Um, it's we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, not good for him for sure. Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, so that was really the big WWE slash NXT news where all those talents being released. Um, but we did have some big AEW news as well. Um, they are moving to Friday nights and moving to TBS uh, in 20, what is it? 2022 is when they're going to start. So a year from now, well, they're not, they're not moving to Friday nights. They're adding a show on Friday nights. Oh, that's right. That on um, the uh, AW rampage, AW rampage so, is going to be airing on TBS starting in August on Friday nights, one hour after SmackDown and it will last for one hour. Mm-hmm. And in 2022, AEW Dynamite on Wednesdays will be moving to TBS. They're staying on Wednesdays in the same time slot, just changing channels. Right. And uh, I don't know how I feel about this. TBS seems like a lesser channel. It seems like like TBS to me is like the the reruns for King of Queens and, and Everybody Loves Raymond. Like that's the channel for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas TNT is like movies and blockbusters and uh, drama and action and I don't know. Like, I don't feel like AEW. Like, I know AEW has like comedy and stuff. I don't feel like the the feel of AEW is gonna fit so much on TBS. But I mean, I guess the channel doesn't really matter. But TBS is available in like two million more homes, so it is actually a bigger channel. So I'm sure this is good for them. Uh, there, it has been reported they're getting at least a ten million dollar payday off of mm-hmm. this. I was about so, to say, it, hey, they're getting a big check out of it. I mean, they might want to go on Spike TV for that. So. Yeah, so they're they're getting paid for it for sure. Um, they uh, they, I know the uh, the Turner you know people tried to you know spin it like it was 
um, more of a branding thing. Like they said, TBS felt like it was the right home for it. Yeah, but, definitely not. That's there's no uh, way. But I mean, let's be honest. It's NHL. NHL is uh NHL is coming it, to TNT. Yeah, so it, it's it's really the which. I mean, I, I understand why they did it, but at the same time, if you're going to move hockey, a real sport, to TNT, why would you not just have your wrestling program on that same thing and just kind of get more into sports? I mean, I know it's sports entertainment, but still. But it, it is what it is. Um, like I said, they're getting a fat check. Uh, hopefully, you know, it doesn't affect their viewership in any way, and maybe, maybe it is the right move. Um, we'll see. Only one way to find out. And it has been alleged that they're keeping the name TNT Championship, and they're going to leave it. They're going to leave it exactly as it is. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it does, uh, since the show is called Dynamite TNT, you know, it's got like a little bit of a double meaning there. So it, it could work in that way. It doesn't have to be on you know TNT. But for it being a television title, I mean, that's what the main idea was. It, you know, it was the main idea behind it's it. It's also literally got the TNT logo on the front. That's true. <laughs> So. But they are a, and they, they will have a, oh, I also forgot to mention this. They will have the periodic TNT specials, uh, which will basically, be, they'll basically be, you know, big shows like the blood and guts show or something like that in between big pay-per-views. So they will be back on TNT from time to time. Uh, so that's, that's, that's kinda, pretty good. I don't know. That seems like a bad idea to me though. Like moving around, like if you're going to be on TBS, be on TBS. If there's like a simulcast on TBS and TNT, I guess I get it. But if they're just like, just gonna be not be on TBS some Wednesday nights and be on TNT some other Wednesday nights, that just seems like a bad idea. Maybe it'll yeah. be a simulcast for both channels, though. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. But they um, they're getting their money, so that's what matters most, honestly, right now. So, um, yeah. So big yeah, news. Tony Khan said he wasn't expecting to make money for like five years, and he's making ten million dollar deals right now yep Two plan for the worst company. hope for the best in in a pandemic that's crazy yeah. well hey wwe grossed like a billion dollars so yeah that's 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 <laughs> nuts to me yeah i don't know where they're getting it also well, i guess uh, i know where they're getting it they're getting it from uh, saudi <laughs> yeah. arabian princes for sure i also forgot to mention with the nxt thing uh they told them that they were cut for budgetary reasons which is just <laughs> hilarious yeah but um, and then lastly, really the the big news—not uh, really big news, I guess—but news uh, out of AEW. Um, they did draw their lowest rating since NXT has moved um, to Tuesday, back to Tuesday. Uh, they averaged uh, eight hundred and twelve thousand viewers supposedly, uh, which was down twelve point three percent from last week. Uh, but all of wrestling this week has pretty much been down because. NXT uh, drew been, their lowest rating as well. Yeah, and SmackDown Raw too suffered. So it wasn't just AEW. It was, we, you know, people who look at these numbers have been kind of predicting that this show was going to be a little bit lower. Not to mention, um, we just have blood and guts. This is kind of a, you know, we're kind of in a, a downturn before we, you know, turn back up to double or nothing. So it's totally understandable. And, and there wasn't really any big marquee matches per se on the show. Um, but um, man, it was a good show. <laughs> yeah, they had some good ones, but none of them like were really like any dream matches had to see kind of thing. Yeah, like there there wasn't hype behind you know any of these matches going into the show, so that that always tends to affect it. Um, 
But speaking of that, that'll bring us right into the show. If you're ready to talk about it, Micah. Yeah. Um, like I said, man, th- and this is also, we do have another show next week before double or nothing, but this was essentially the go home show because next week, like uh, next week they're moving to Friday. Uh, I believe because they are, um, uh, there's basically, yeah. Playoffs or something. Yeah. I think it's, you know, part of the NBA playoffs are going to be on Wednesday. So they're basically moving dynamite to Friday and they're going to be doing a lot of specialty matches. And then they, they're showing like, uh, I know they advertise like, um, look back on Sheeta's year reign as champion. Like, so I, I would imagine, you know, it's the Friday show. They wanted to make sure everybody who watches dynamite on Wednesday uh, leading up to double or nothing, pretty much got everything they needed to know in this show. So yeah. um, this is really the go home show, and it was awesome. I yeah, I agree. Um, hopefully, Matthew, uh, Riley, Carol, and I will be at the show next Friday, and also at double or nothing. We got our tickets for both actually, oh, and nice. the Fan Fest. We get a whole weekend of. Uh, of AEW going on, but we actually got, uh, on dynamite. I accidentally, I wasn't even intending, but I accidentally got like, you know, the, the spots where like Christopher Daniels and Jake Roberts and everybody where they'll sit like the white chairs that are like near the ring, pretty much ringside, like running out of the barricade. I got those seats apparently. So that's cool. Nice. Yeah. So hopefully we'll, you'll see us right there. This is the first time they've opened up those seats since COVID. So that's pretty cool. We weren't lucky enough to get those seats for double or nothing because they were like twice as much. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, so looking forward to that for sure. Um, yeah, I think this was a really good show, though. I agree. I mean, you kicked off the show with Christian Cage versus Evan Bourne or Matt Seidel. Like, what do you what do you expect? Yeah, um, and yeah, we'll go and get right into it. Uh, really awesome match. I thought it was a great opener. Um, Am I incorrect in thinking that Christian Cage has not had a match live yet? I don't because this is not this is a recorded show. And, yeah, I mean, I guess so. And his debut I mean, was recorded. But I mean, it's not like I I don't think they necessarily did that on purpose. Maybe, but I'm pretty sure they definitely had his debut on purpose recorded, and I don't blame him. But. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's interesting. And I thought maybe they're saving it for double or nothing, but he doesn't even have a singles match at double or nothing, which is odd. Yeah. He's in the battle Royal, right? Yeah. He's in the battle Royal. Yeah. So, um, I don't, I mean, I listen, if they're wanting to, if they're consciously putting him on the, you know, tape version of these shows, like, I don't know why. And these matches are great. So pretty much every match he's had since it's been on has been really good. So, uh, and, and this one was the same. Um, basically, uh, the story of the match was Christian going after uh, Matt Seidel's back and just, you know, just a lot of back and forth. Um, Christian eventually went for the kill switch. Seidel blocked it. Um, he tried to go for uh, – Seidel tried to go for like a standing shooting star press. Christian got his knees up uh, and then was able to hit the kill switch and get the victory. But, I mean, just a really solid match all in all between these two. And Christian really does just do everything good. He does. He, he's like, like one of those like all around solid. Like he's good at everything he does in the ring. Like he can work yeah. pretty much any style and be good at it. I think he and Kazarian are very similar in that that regard. Yeah, no, I would agree. Their match and, was so good. 
And then after the match, uh, he stands up, helps Seidel to his feet, and uh, they embrace and shake hands, which is, you know, very similar to how they, you know, uh, people do in like uh, MMA when they fight, because most of these guys have respect for each other. Um, so, you know, I always like seeing moments like this where they, you know, two baby faces are in there just going at it. They can get up and shake each other's hand at the end of it. So I thought that was nice. And then while they're doing this, we had, uh, Taz, he jumped on the mic and was, um, or he, I don't know. I don't think he's on the mic, but he was pointing at him and yelling at him because he was on commentary the whole time, which was great. I love Taz. Uh, so he's like pointing his finger and yelling at them. So they, you know, uh, he basically turned their attention to Taz, which brings out Ricky Starks, who's on the stage and he cuts a promo, um, told, basically told Christian that he's his own man's, uh, but he'll be on the sideline, uh, for a while. And he, uh, basically gestured to the entranceway and, you know, he teased that, you know, team Taz is going to come out, but actually, um, spoiler alert, <laughs> they attacked him from behind. Yeah. Um, never would have saw that coming. Yeah, so uh, it was Hook, Brian Cage, and Hobbs jumped them from behind, beat the crap out of them. Uh, Hangman came out and made the save. He handed uh, Ricky Starks his drink, which is hilarious. Uh, but uh, Page came in, tried to hit Cage with a buckshot lariat, got blocked, and uh, basically fell victim to a powerbomb from Cage. And Team Taz stood tall in the end. Yeah, surprisingly, uh, had that same like moment from months and months ago. Adam Page comes in, he hands somebody his beer, he starts to go crazy, but uh, he doesn't come out with the upper hand on this one. He's he's laid flat by Brian Cage. Little, really interesting to see. Uh, Ricky Starks, really glad to see him out there, even with his uh, broken freaking neck. He's uh, still able to come out there and, and put some time on the mic, which I think is what they need to, need to do for the next few months while he recuperates, mm-hmm. um, if he's able to. Uh, if he needs to stay at home and rest, totally do that. But if he's able to go out there like Britt Baker did and and make a big name for himself while he's recovering to come back stronger than ever, I think that's a great idea. And uh, after the match, or after the beatdown, I should say, uh, Starks took the beer and downed it himself, which I was like, yep. COVID, but I was like, oh, wait, they're all vaccinated. We're good. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, also, everybody knows COVID isn't transferred through beer, so... I mean, it is alcohol. He cleanses. <laughs> so that's that's how you treat COVID. You get it drunk. That's true. That's how most of the South is dealing with it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, good opening segment. Um, obviously, I'm pretty sure everybody involved in this is going to be in the battle royal. I believe so, except for Ricky Starks, of course. Oh uh, yeah, obviously, and and Hook may may not be. Uh, also, we'll point out, um, and I think they announced all the names in, uh, in, later in the show, like the rest of the names that are in the Casino Battle Royal. There's 21 total. Uh, they've announced 20. So there's one mystery person. Yeah, curious so, who that will be. Uh, everybody's going to think Daniel Bryan's going to debut. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I've now. been hearing. Everybody's going to think that. <laughs> well, I've heard people talking even, you know, saying – it might be a mistake to leave that spot open because if it's not Daniel Bryan, we all know what happened in that Royal Rumble when uh, Rey Mysterio came out and it wasn't Daniel Bryan. <laughs> so, um, but I think I think people that back then were booing more WWE for not putting him in, so I don't think they would do the same here. But 
it's interesting for sure. It gets people talking. So I feel like anytime you have a battle royale, you have to have one surprise competitor. Like that's kind of the thing, right? Yeah. And don't they do it like the uh are they still doing it the same way they like did before where they bring out like four at a time and then the last person like is the wild card? No, last time they did it like a regular Royal Rumble. Okay. Just well, straight up normal. I, I kinda prefer that too, but that's yeah. kind of how they, you know, do a surprise like that. Uh, I think they've done it before that way. Yeah, used to they would have groups of five, and then they'd have the Joker come out by himself. That's right. Would be the big debut. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to the Battle Royal. I think we're going to do a preview show, and I'm sure we'll make all of our guesses there. And, uh, yeah, be sure to tune in for that. Yeah. Um, Man. We're going to get into this later, but I love the Varsity Blondes. <laughs> Man, I do too. They were, they're so good. I'm so glad to see them get some mic time here too. I can actual like backstage interview. I love the fact that they got Julia Hart now. It feels like an actual stable they got going, which is kind and of she crazy. She fits right in. She fits right in. She's the cheerleader. They're the jocks. It works perfectly. It's kind of ridiculous. Her last name is Hart. Like... <laughs> she's from minnesota and not at all canadian and in no relation to the hart family i mean it's like i don't know if it feels like griff guerrero you'd be like oh like eddie is like no no relation i guess i don't know it's weird i told riley i was talking about it she probably like just got into wrestling didn't even know who the hart family was and was like julia hart that's a cool name and chose it it probably was no ill intent or anything but it does kind of bother me but yeah i do think it works great they're together um, I really like her on the stuff I've seen on her from Sammy's vlog and, and dark and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's really good as well. And I love Brian Pillman Jr. And Griff Garrison as a tag team. Uh, I'm so glad they're giving them a little bit of a spotlight. And I really think they're going to be a really big thing one day. I can't wait for stone cold Griff Garrison. <laughs> I thought about that actually today. I was, uh, cause it really is. So, I mean, I had always been a fan of Varsity Blondes. I mean, I've praised them on the show before. Um, I think Griff Garrison's a great hot tag. Uh, Pillman's, you know, a great solid worker to kind of take the heat in the match. And even when they've been on Dynamite and they've lost, I've always been impressed with, you know, their performances. They've, you know, been good. But, yeah, it was one of those things like we'll see how good they are, you know, when it comes to, you know, mic skills and stuff like that. This is AEW, so they, you know, get free reign to, you know, cut promos the way they want. Um, but when I saw them here, I was kind of like, here we go. Like it's, you know, it's their time. Like, we'll see how it goes. And man, I love this promo. I thought it was fantastic. Brian Pillman Jr. I mean, just like his dad and his way, his ability to cut great promos because he, he was fantastic. Basically what he said was, uh, he he actually mentioned, uh, he brought up his, his father, obviously, um, he talked about, you know, people thought that his father was what got him into wrestling. And he said, no, it's actually, it was actually the opposite. He kept me out of wrestling. I saw what happened to him and didn't want to happen to me. I saw the dark side of the ring. Got a good plug there. But uh, he said, basically, the thing that brought me out of that and showed me that the business could not, you know, be something different than that were the young bucks. He said, I met them, you know, a couple years ago. They showed me that you could, you know, be a good guy in wrestling and do okay. And that's what brought him into it. And I kind of believe that. Like, it didn't seem like it was BS here. 
And Griff Garrison even told a story. He said, uh, kind of reiterated to, you know, what Pillman said. He said, back in 2018, I got asked to run their merch booth and they were awesome guys. They, you know, they, they taught me a lot and they were, you know, basically people that we looked up to. And he, he said, so when we got to AEW, uh, we were looking forward to, you know, working with them again, but as of late, they're not the same young bucks anymore. They're not the guys that we knew a couple years ago. They're dicks basically. <laughs> and basically said, they're going to get a reality check tonight from, from us. And Pillman Jr. took it back over. And actually I'm going to be honest. I forgot who Julia Hart was. I, I knew she'd been on before, but I couldn't remember her name. And I was like, like I'm assuming she's like somebody who's been on dark, but I couldn't quite remember. And then like Pillman, like on cue was like, so, you know, we're here, the varsity blondes and we got Julia Hart here. The, uh, what'd she say? The, uh, all American wrestler. And she'd like five national, national champion. champion. And she did like the two time or whatever. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about her. Like, awesome. Yeah, she fits perfect. So like he did everything you needed to do to sell their match, to sell the varsity blondes, to tell their story about how they got here. Who they and are. then he introduced their new, you know, partner in their uh their their faction or whatever. Like he ticked every box and did yeah. it wonderfully. Like I thought it was a great promo. It really was. I'm super proud for them and I cannot wait to see where they go. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. And uh, so, yeah, and listen, this is not the last time I'm going to be praising the Varsity Blondes on the show, but we will get back to that later. Um, but I'll praise this as well. We had John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus The Acclaimed. This was also awesome. It really uh, was, man. I know I hated on The Acclaimed for a long time, but I'm really starting to like them as heels. Like, they're getting way better on their raps as they as they come in. Yeah, this one was uh, great. They're always like scathing and just like not, they're not afraid to say anything. Uh, I love the little backstage interview when John Moxley and Eddie Kingston are talking to each other. Yeah. They're like, who are the, who, Moxley's like, who's the acclaim, who are these guys? And he's like, uh, they're rappers. Well, it's the rapper and the rapper's friend. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's yeah. great. Such a great way to put it. Uh, yeah. I, there there I, was a glaring and obvious cut in this promo at some point. Like they're just like, yeah. They just like flashed the white. white. <laughs> so they probably trailed on a little too long. And listen, this show, um, this show was a really entertaining show all in all, but it was very tight on time. It felt like a lot yeah. of times. So they had a lot they were trying to hit. Yeah. So uh, like I said, they, they were trying to make sure you got all the information heading into double or nothing. Uh, and so, yeah, they had to, I'm assuming they just cut their promo short. Um, yeah. But yeah, still hilarious. There's like this glaring cut in the middle of it. But uh, we also got um, John Moxley and I'm guessing this is their tag team music, but they've got a new version of wild thing, which is this, the one that they used on the uh, major league movie back in the day, which is like a more modern rock version of it. Yeah. It's got like distorted guitar. I cannot explain. I still don't like it better than his original, but it's so much better. Yeah. I can't explain to you how much better it is. Like, I still like his original better as well. I'm totally okay. This is their tag team music. That's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but man, this version is so much better than the original. I was telling yeah. Matthew, I feel like John Moxley was like, hey, Tony, I'd like to get Wild Thing. And Tony's like, okay, no problem. And he pulls out like the 1960 version. And Moxley was like, no, dude, not, not that one. 
No, I think that's exactly what happened because from the movie. (laughs) Well, supposedly um, Moxley, uh, from what I heard, Moxley like didn't know that that was the song it was. And he was like actually in the ring and there was like a random flute in the old version that comes up, like I guess the bridge and Moxley was like visibly like, what the, (laughs) this is not. So I totally believe, I would imagine that's exactly what happened. I mean, I'm not reporting anything, but it's, I think it's entirely possible. And this makes more sense too, because uh, major league, that movie's it's an older movie, but um, it was kind of based around the pitcher that was played by Charlie Sheen in that movie, if I remember correctly. And he was like a fan favorite. And basically he would come out to close games and they would play that song. And basically the entire baseball stadium would start singing along. So I imagine that's what John Moxley's envisioning one day. And if it's that's the case, happen to double or nothing. Well, if that's the case, this might be a, you know, a great move. I mean, cause his original music was good, but you can actually sing along with this one. And so it might actually end up being pretty good for him in the end. So uh, it's definitely a better version. So uh, yeah, I think it's a win there. Uh, and then, like we said, the acclaim came out. Uh, Max Caster delivered another rap. It was awesome. Uh, basically, the big line was um, he dropped an oral sessions joke talking about uh, Miss Renee Young, obviously yeah, John Mox's wife. He said that Mox's wife is hitting him up on Twitter for oral sessions. Yes. And uh, what, what I loved about this was they they this is basically the last punchline of the uh his entire rap so every other line before that john moxley and ed kingston they got they got a kick out of it they i mean you know they were getting insulted they're like all right dude yeah okay as soon as he said that though john moxley just straight faced i was just like oh no (laughs) it's not a great it's not a great strategy to go in and insult your opponent's wife before you're gonna fight him (laughs) yep and uh Anthony Bowen found that out because after the <laughs> after the rap was over, they're they're getting the ring, and usually Max Caster cuts the uh, you know he does the rap to start with, and then Bowen's will grab the mic and say something. But he basically is getting in the ring, and he's like, and another thing, and before he can even finish, Moxley just punches him in the face. No, so he <laughs> comes in, so he comes in, he's like, and he says, "What?" He just means the podcast, and he starts going into the, the his line is AEW, the acclaimed have arrived. And he went AEW because <laughs> he got punched in the face. It and, was and so Tony, good. And Tony even pointed out, he's like, what was that? He's like, is that the new name of the company? AEW? <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. And the match was good too. It was um, a solid match. They made um, they made a point to say that Acclaim was ranked. Um, they, no, they were the new number one contenders, I believe. And yeah, uh, Moxley and Kingston were at rank number three. So um, it is a little bit of weird that the uh, you know rankings are so fluctual because just last week SCU was number one. Apparently, you lose one match, you're knocked to the bottom of the chart. But well, they're they're no longer together, so I think they're no longer in the rankings. I think that's, that's a true, fair assessment. Like Hangman, he he's kind of like was ranked number one, got beat by Brian Cage, and like apparently Pack and Orange Cassidy jumped him. So uh, they could be a little. I w- I almost wish they would do it like. Um, like MMA, for instance, uh, UFC does this a lot. They obviously there's a clear number one contender, but if it's somebody who's not like a big draw, you kind of wait until they get some big wins and are like basically a sure-fired number one contender, and you have to make the match. Whereas like if there's a big guy who's ranked number four and he gets a big win and that's like super impressive, 
and you want to see him fight the guy who's the champion, they'll book it. And so I would almost imagine, like, I, I would almost prefer to if Moxley and Kingston, they weren't necessarily like in the top rankings. Maybe the acclaim was like ranked number three, but they're like, listen, we'll give you a top five team. John Moxley, you're, you know, John Moxley, you former champion and Eddie Kingston, you know, you, you've got a good record here. If you guys can, you know, pick up this win, we'll give you a title shot because, you know, because of who you are type thing. And it'll yeah, they, at least give some credit. I mean, they have credibility already. So it gives some type of like thing to where, I mean, th- yes, they're undefeated as a tag team coming in, but they haven't had a whole lot of matches either. So, and rankings kind of just tend to fluctuate for whatever Tony Khan wants to book that week sometimes too. So I think it's okay to let people kind of be like a number three or four contender and get a title shot. Um, Cause it's kind of the same thing with the varsity blondes tonight too. They um, were supposedly like top contenders, you know, because SCU lost and all that. So um, yeah, I think it's okay to do something like that as well. Yeah, they, they did leapfrog FTR. FTR was very upset about that. Dax said that he was going to quit wrestling. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> <laughs> then he actually, he said, he said on Twitter, he's like, if Kingston and Moxley get a shot at the tag team title before we do, I'll quit wrestling. And then he then they won and they got the announcement for the match. And then he said, I quit. And then today he said, I'm sorry my account was hacked last night. Pay no attention. <laughs> <laughs> It was all that wine he was drinking at the, uh, the at the dinner party they had. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, this was a really good tag match. Um, basically just setting up Kingston and Moxley for the Young Bucks. Um, basically, it, it wasn't a complete, you know, like destruction of them either because we had uh, Caster and uh, Bowens. They tried to uh, pick up the upset here. They, they hit Moxley with a crossbody, like a suplex crossbody for a near fall. Um then uh, Caster threw the chain into Bowens. He was, you know, getting ready to load it up, but the referee was able to catch it. He grabbed the chain from him. But uh, when the referee was putting the chain away, they were able to get the boombox in um, and get a shot on Kingston, uh, or try to get a shot on Kingston, but John Moxley blocked it and hit Caster with it instead. And that was able to allow Kingston and Moxley to hit a wheel, wheelbarrow into a paradigm shift. It was really just like DDT. It wasn't a full paradigm shift, but they pick up the win here. And like I said, I like, setting them up for Young Bucks. I like that story of basically Caster and uh, Bowens come in and are insulting John Moxley's wife, and they try to cheat on him. And John Moxley, even though he's the baby face, is like, you know what? No, if you're going to cheat, I'm going to cheat too, and I'm going to hit you in the head with this boombox. And basically, they won dirty, right? So I, I think it's a really cool story to have a baby face win dirty because – the guys they're facing are trying to play dirty and also going against their wife. So I like that yeah. story. I think it works pretty cool, especially for John Moxley, who's kind of, I mean, he's baby face, but like not really in the traditional sense. Well, it's, it's, I can excuse it a little bit. I don't really see it as a dirty move because they brought it in and we're about to hit the guy with it. And he basically just took it from him and gave it back yeah, to him. Traditionally baby face would just grab it and throw it out of the ring. Yeah, it is. It is John Moxley. So, yeah. uh, yeah, so yeah, a little bit of that, but um, still, all in all, they they pick up the win here, and they they got the young bucks double or nothing. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to that match, and it's really starting to be a stacked card. It sure is. Uh, we then got a Jericho backstage segment. This is awesome. 
Uh, he was backstage talking to Dean Malenko, the man of a thousand holds. Um, they have a history, obviously, going back to WCW. Uh, but Alex Marvez jumps in and he asks Chris Jericho uh, if the inner circle is going to accept the Pinnacles challenge. He's basically trying to usurp their announcement on the show tonight and get the scoop for himself. That uh, selfish man, Alex Marvez, uh, <laughs> trying to break the story. Hopping out uh, from his pocket dimension. Yes. So uh, Jericho tells him, like, no, yeah, I, know, I get what you're trying to do, but you're going to have to wait you know, till later tonight, like everybody else. Um, uh, he says, no, get out of here before you make the man of a thousand holds angry. Basically talking about Dean Malenko. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they even call back. Like, I don't know if you uh, even remember this, know about this, but obviously Dean Malenko was the submission specialist in WCW, the man of a thousand holds. And when Jericho feuded with him in WCW, who was a heel at the time said that he was the man of like a thousand over a thousand holds or something like that. A thousand and four holds. Yes. And uh before the list of Jericho, he had the list of holds and basically yeah. had this long paper that he was reading through a commercial break on WCW. Most of them were arm bars, but he uh was like just reading down this list, just like a classic throwback. So if you know what they're talking about, it's hilarious. And uh so Malenko says Hey, you knew a little bit more than me, like four more holes than me or something like that. And Jericho just goes, yeah, I forgot a few of them. (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I think this is the first time we've really seen Dean Malenko talk since coming into AEW too, like on camera. We've seen him on camera a few times, like when Jericho was thrown off the cell, but I don't think we've actually seen him say anything on camera, which is cool. I think this is the first time he's been on camera and said anything in like, I don't even know how long, because he he was also an agent in WWE. So you would catch him very similar to Arn Anderson. You catch him every now and then when they had to, you know, run out and, you know, separate somebody. They'd get a lot of the agents to go out there and do that. And you'd see a lot of those guys again, like Jamie Noble has been a part of that several times. Yeah. Uh, people like that. So we've seen him on TV and stuff and you know, he's there, but I don't think he said anything like on camera and like a, any kind of capacity like this in forever. Like I can't like really since he's, retired from WWE, like basically retired from in-ring competition in WWE. Like he was not like a character that stayed on long after he retired. He basically just immediately became an agent and was never on camera. So yeah, I don't know how long it's been since he's been on camera and like had, you know, lines (laughs) or something to say, but yeah, it's first time hearing from Dean in a long time on TV. Yeah, for sure. So after this, we got uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page calling out Darby Allen Sting. Um, I thought this was a good promo from Ethan. Um, it was basically Tony Schiavone interviewing them. Uh, I thought it was a good promo from both of them. They talked about, you know, not being the you know direct result of Darby losing the title, but they definitely took credit, some credit for it because they threw him down the steps last week. Um talked about, you know, Sting not being the man he used to be and uh, just a really, you know, passionate promo with the fans were, you know, they were getting a lot of heat from him. Um, so I thought it was pretty good. And then we had Sting and Darby Allen come in uh, and this, the only negative I have about it is I kind of, they basically run in and lay out Sky and Paige, uh, Sting locks uh, Scorpio Sky and the Scorpion Deathlock and Darby holds off Paige, and it seemed like, at least to an extent, Paige and Sky got their comeuppance in this segment. 
And I was like, why couldn't they just like bail and build towards a tag match? And that's when they have the comeuppance in tag match. Like they kind of spoiled that of like Darby and Sting at least getting a little bit of a revenge here. So that was my only negative about it. Uh, what did you think, Micah? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm really excited to see them building towards this tag, ma- tag match. You're going to see Sting live in action for the first time in Lord knows how long. Uh, in an, His first time ever in an AEW ring. He's going to be there in an actual match in the actual ring. I'll get to be there. Super stoked about that. But on the other hand, I really couldn't care less about this feud. I don't know what I don't know what the issue is. Uh, maybe maybe because it feels a little rushed, but also like it somehow feels rushed and drawn out. Like I don't know how that happens, but I really just don't care. I don't I don't care for Sky and Paige together. I really haven't liked that from the get go. They haven't given me a reason to like it or a reason why they're together. Um, I'm just excited for Sting and Darby to go at it, but like I couldn't I couldn't care less about the actual feud. And I'm starting to worry because honestly, like I saw this and I was like, I mean, this is the finish. (laughs) Like this is what they should be doing on their pay-per-view match. Like Scorpio Sky should be in the Scorpion Deathlock and Darby should be holding off Paige and Sky taps out and they get their revenge. Like this is the finish. So I'm thinking Sky and Paige are going to beat Darby and Sting. Gosh, I hope not. I, I, I think that's what it's going to be. I, uh, I understand your reasoning. I get it. It's like, this is the finish. They're getting their revenge here. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. We will see, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a fine promo from page and they were getting a lot of heat, but I just didn't, like I said, this was like a, the finish to the feud essentially of like them getting their revenge on these guys, uh, at least a little bit of it. And I was like, wait till the match to do these guys. But yeah. So I'm kind of with you. I'm not like super stoked about it. Obviously uh, it does feel kind of rushed page and sky have been, you know, thrown together and they've been sitting in the crowd for like a month, but they, they did get this title off Darby and like go straight into this. So it does feel kind of rushed at the same time. So it is what it is, but not a bad segment. Uh, we then got a pinnacle promo, which was awesome. Uh, why don't you tell us what happened, Micah? I loved this segment. So you have the pinnacle. They're at like a really nice restaurant. They're all dressed together in like their Sunday best. And uh, MJF is standing there like in the center of the table, very like mafia style. The camera is just great camera work too, because it's like zoomed out and the Wardlow is there on the side. He, he grabs the bottle of wine and just starts chugging it, slams it down. And you have FTR, Tully, Sean Spears, everybody there. And the, the camera's just slowly panning in on NJF as he's addressing Chris Jericho, talking about his third-rate third rate humor, stuff like the pineapple, my jerk-off my jerk friend, etc. And uh, FTR pipe up. They start talking about how the business isn't being treated the way that it should be by the people like the inner circle. And while, while this is happening, the waiter is coming to refill, I think, Dax's drink. And Sean Spears is holding up his glass and he just kind of passes him by and Sean Spears freaks the freak out. Like he just flips out completely. He like grabs the waiter by his collar. He grabs a drink saying, I want my drink now. And everybody's trying to calm Spears down. He kind of, he kind of like, you know, let's go, sets the glass down, pours himself a little bit. 
and uh, Dax actually gives him his drink. And Tolly Blanchard uh, grabs a stack of money from his wallet, throws it at the waiter, and said, you know, this should cover it. MJF wraps the segment up by uh, saying the catchphrase, when you're in the pinnacle, you're always on top. But this was such a good segment because it, again, kind of like the Varsity Blonde segment earlier, ticked all the boxes. This was such a good segment for telling you exactly who everyone in the pinnacle was. You have FTR, who are caring about the business, they're old school guys. MGF, the leader of the mafia. Wardlow, the guy who's over there just slamming alcohol and liquor and and, and just being, you know, just bad to the bone. Sean Spears, who's apparently going to be unhinged, which I love. I love this little character uh, design they're going with for him because so many times he's seen so vanilla. And I think that's why he's never really excelled. He never really had something to grasp to. But I think this will work really well for him. And of course, Tully, who's like, the grand, the rich granddad trying to hold it all together. Uh, I love it. I think it's great. I thought the segment was great. Uh, what did you think about it? I liked it a lot too. Um, like you said, it ticked all the boxes. Um, you know, ba- they basically said that we don't even want to be in this match. They want to be fighting for titles. Uh, the inner circles are the one that are dragging this out. So they basically said it's you know Spring says B. They're going to finally put them to rest and you know in this. And uh, yeah, like like I said, ticked all the boxes. Um, good build up. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I loved every bit of it. And like you said, it kind of went further into you know who their character is going to be. I'm not sure. I buy Sean Spears is the crazy unhinged guy. Like uh, he basically, like I said, freaked out on this kid. He like slammed a glass bottle on the ground and you know shoved his head on the table and you know totally into paying off. Like you said, but. Um, I, I want to see more of it before I, you know, make a clear judgment if they're going to go in like, you know, crazy unhinged type character for him. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but I think it'll work really well though, because I think the dynamic is going to be Sean Spears is going to be the guy whose face value kind of crazy while it's deep down MJF is going to be the guy who's actually crazy. Kind of like in yeah. the mafia, you always have that one guy who's like, you know, like in these mobster movies, you have that one guy that's like really quick to pop off. And like he'll just shoot somebody or whatever. But then you have the mob boss who's like really kind of laid back and reserved. But when it really comes down to it, he's the crazy one. I think it works. I think it'll work out really well if they play it right. Yeah. But this yeah. It's basically a mob. That's what they're going for. Yeah. Very much. That's that's what they wanted to get over here because they're eating, they're drinking wine. They're eating steaks in this, you know, very nice restaurant. They're definitely mafia like. So, and MJF with his scarf at the head of the table. Makes a lot of sense. And he finished where their catch, catchphrase, when you're in the pinnacle, you're always on top. So great segment. Uh, we then had, I thought one of the the low points of the night. And when I say that, I mean, it, it was still fine. <laughs> and it was probably one of the lowest points of the night. Uh, Sheeta versus uh, Rebel. And I say it's like a low point and say that it's, it was still fine because it only went like two minutes. It was like exactly what it needed to be. They got in and got out. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't even really have anything to complain about here. Uh, Sheeta basically got the advantage early. She even teased with uh, putting her own glove on um, to, you know, do uh, Britt Baker's lockjaw on Rebel. But uh, Britt took the referee and allowed Rebel to get, you know, some offense. She she actually grabbed her crutch and broke it over Sheeta's back, which looked like it hurt a little bit. Oh, excuse me. And then, um, I kind of hate the the crutch spots, though, don't you? Like, 
I don't know. They seem so weak. They always do. Like uh, crutches don't weigh very much. I don't know. I guess it's kind of akin to a kendo stick. Yeah, and it it, it looked pretty cool when she like hit her with it and like bolts and stuff like flew everywhere. Like it, it's fine. So it allowed her basically to get a little bit of offense on Sheeta. I mean, it's better than Rebel just getting offense on Sheeta. So, you know, if, as long as they do something like that. But essentially, she uh, hit Sheeta with like a tossing suplex, but Sheeta kicked out. She was able to quickly get her in. Uh, Sheeta was able to get Rebel in a stretch muffler and picked the win. Uh, Britt got in the ring like immediately and attacked her. Uh, she grabbed the belt, hit a curb stop onto the belt. And she basically held it up. So obviously building to Sheeta and Britt at double or nothing. So yeah, they got in, got out. Um, I mean, obviously this probably wouldn't have been a good match if it was, you know, longer than this, but it did what it needed to do. So that was fine. Yeah, it was okay for extending the feud until double or nothing. I think we'll see something big next week. I think I mean, Britt Baker is obviously going to crash the party. And I'm yeah. just glad we're getting some story, you know. Glad we're getting sheet on TV. I think it's fine. Yeah, I think so too. So then after this, we had, uh, I'd love this segment as well. Kenny Omega and Don Callis talking to Orange Cassidy. Um, it was basically footage from last week. Uh, obviously, Cassidy, uh, after getting the powerbomb, they actually showed the replay of it too, which was just brutal, of Orange Cassidy getting powerbombed by Pac, uh, possibly getting a, a concussion. So he is in the back in the trainer's room with the best friends beside him. Uh, when Omega and Don Callis come in, they tell the best friends they need to talk to Orange and tell him to beat it. I like how Chris like immediately got in Omega's face. It was just like staring him down. And uh, so they all get out. And uh, even Trent, as he's leaving, like bumps into Brandon Cutler because they, they did make it a point to say like, you know, this is Brandon Cutler filming it because they were following Omega and Callis around. And um, so, like, Trent, like, bumps into him and is like, hey, Cutler, watch it, or something like that. Um, so, basically, they talk to uh, Orange and say, listen, buddy, we know you're hurt. You know, we know it sucks. We saw what happened. Don Callis even gets his phone out and does, like, a looping replay of the video and shows it to Cassidy like a jerk. And he's like, oh, yeah, that looked like it hurt. And basically says, listen, you're important to this company. Kenny says, I'm going to speak as an EVP right now. You're you're a very important asset to this company. You're basically like the mascot of AEW, and we want you to last a long time. And uh, basically, if you if you try to go in and compete against Kenny, uh, especially in the shape that you're in, you're going to get hurt. So we wrote this contract for you. It basically, you know, says that you'll be out of this match and that you could possibly get a match at a later date with Kenny. So just go ahead and sign it, and they hand it to him. And Cassidy just like immediately just starts slowly tearing it in half. And Callis and Omega just like sitting there in stone silence as he's doing this. What was great to me is he's like slowly tearing it in half down the middle, right? And then he yeah. folds it and he starts tearing it again. Oh, I love it. Well, I like so when he good. finally gets to the end, they kind of like sell it a little bit like the, oh, like, oh, why'd you do that? <laughs> and then as you said, he starts tearing it again. They're like, oh, you don't have to do that. And so... They, they kind of reiterate, They're like, oh, well, listen, Omega tells him, he's like, I understand, you know, you want your shot at the title, but that bump you took out there is pretty bad. And, you know, I know you're hurting, but, you know, if you get in there with the ring with me at double or nothing, I'll do anything. Anything can happen. If I get you in that one-winged angel, 
it could, you know, it could hurt you even more, it could end your career, it could even end your life. So uh, go ahead. We got another contract for you. And obviously, Callis, he pulls out another, the folder basically has another copy of it and says, take it, sleep on it. And then Callis, like a jerk, is like, sleep, sleep on it. Well, actually, don't sleep on it with your type of condition. And I was just like, <laughs> I laughed, but it was very on the nose of like, oh, <laughs> like, but it was hilarious. Like, it was the perfect Don Callis line for sure. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't offensive, but. It, it was very on the nose, but, it, you know, very appropriate as well for Don Callis. So he says, think about it. Let us know. And supposedly next week, Orange Cassidy is going to let us know if he's going to participate in the match. Which is actually pretty good if if the guy's legitimately hurt and they're kind of waiting for him to be cleared. This gives him an out of some sort of like, you know, I would imagine he's not going to want to do that. Or maybe like the doctors come in and say it, but. I think it still kind of gives you like a little bit of mystery, even if they know he's okay or something. So I think it's brilliant, honestly. Yeah, it's it's pretty smart booking, definitely. Uh, and even if they do go through it like normal, it was a great segment. And it really sh- like shows a different layer of Kenny as an EVP, as a, the top heel of the company. Yeah, him and Don Callis are just dicks. <laughs> and they're yeah, so great. Just, just love to hate that Don Callis. <laughs> they're so perfect. So more news from this week. Actually, Don Callis is no longer an EVP of Impact. Oh, yeah. We forgot to mention that. Yeah. So I don't know where they're heading with that. Maybe he just wanted to be more of an on-screen talent now. And does that mean that the Forbidden Door is slowly closing? I mean, that's fine. What's (laughs) what's honestly happened? The only thing we've gotten out of the Good Brothers, and honestly, I could take it. It's really only, especially as of late, it's really only been Kenny going over there. So... It's only Kenny going over there. It's only the Good Brothers coming over here. If the Forbidden Door closing means I get less Good Brothers on BTE, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's interesting for sure. I, I would imagine he's got a spot waiting for him at AEW, um, at least as a manager. But I mean, even maybe behind the scenes, it wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't think he he's done some good things in New Japan and for Impact. So I think he'd be good to have. Oh yeah, definitely. He's he's great in his role. So after uh, this segment, we then had the inner circle responding to the Pinnacle uh, Stadium Stampede Challenge. Uh, they all come out on stage. Santana's still absent, so I hope he uh, recovers and gets better before the um, before the actual show. Um, but this segment was also awesome. Uh, really opposite of what they did last week. Last week they came out and, you know, did the goofy bubbly spray thing. It was, you know, kind of a little bit hokey, but I enjoyed it. But um, this was not that. They came out and cut promos and they were serious. Basically Ortiz went first, said the talk is cheap and he's ready to fight. Uh, Sammy said that uh, everyone knows what the answer is. Said he'll spray bubbly on the pinnacle. Uh, He'll shoot, hit a shooting star press off the balcony onto their necks you know, basically this isn't going to end until, you know, as long as these, both these groups exist in AEW and then Hager, he cuts a promo and says, you know, basically, you know, who would we be if we don't accept this? And he cut a passion promo. And then we got Chris Jericho cutting a serious promo and he's got this, you know, his arms all taped up, got this giant, like JJ Watt size cast on his arm or like, you know, brace on his arm. 
like he looks like he's no shape to fight. And he's, he starts asking, he's like, uh, basically all week, you know, after uh, all last week and, you know, after uh, blood and guts, I've been thinking to myself, was this all worth it? Uh, was it worth it to go through blood and guts to dislocate my elbow? I fell off the stage, almost hit my head. It would have been curtains for me if that would have happened. Uh, MJF scared my family, my kids, but was it worth it? And basically says, when I think of getting revenge on MJF and pounding his face in, yes, it'll be worth it. So at the same time, Jericho, Ortiz, Guevara, and Hager all accept the challenge and they say yes together in unison. And uh, they, Jericho said he's gonna, they're going to dance all over Pinnacle's faces and piss on their graves. And then they give the middle finger salute. This was awesome. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it's exactly what you were asking for not too long ago, where they're basically giving everybody time on the mic, everybody time to shine. And it was pretty equal here throughout. And they've been doing that more and more often. And yeah. I think it's working out great for the inner circle. Really, the only thing that was missing was Santana not cutting an awesome promo because he's been great yeah. as of late. Well, this was so, recorded last week. So really, it's the same week as last week. So I right. think he'll probably be back this next week for the Friday show. I would imagine so. Um, they said he was sick. Uh, supposedly, possibly a little bit injured, but that you know, curious they, they what Jericho's going to be able to do though, because he's legit injured and he's probably still going to have his arm in a brace. Yeah, or maybe they filmed the Spring Stampede already. Who knows? That's I don't think they did, already but... filmed it. Yeah, I don't think they did either. But yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. So, and curious because like, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if inner circle lost because it would kind of give them a way to kind of get these guys, you know, separated. Cause I feel like if they just win, it's just, they're just going to keep feeding with pinnacle for a little while. And I don't know, kind of, I'd kind of like for this to be the blow off match. So I think inner circle is going to win, but I don't know. We'll yeah. see. I, it is kind of hard to say, you know, to break them up after they've been doing so well lately, <laughs> but we will see for sure. Um, this is probably another low point of the show, but it was still fine. Like it wasn't terrible. It was just, it was quick. So it didn't matter. It was the Jade Cargill promo. And I mean, we've said on here, I mean, it's what, like two, three weeks in a row. She's I like, man, Tony every came... week asked her, do yeah. you have a, you know, have you found a manager? Jade says, I don't need a manager. I'm my own boss, blah, blah, blah. And then she walks off. It's been the same thing for like three weeks. There was a little bit extra to this one this week, but literally I saw Tony Schiavone and Jade Cargo on my screen and I, I literally out loud went, oh my God, go away. Like, Well, I will say I, this I hate one, it. Get off it my TV. was slightly different in the sense that it gave us basically like a baby step towards something. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be, but basically... Let's see Mark Sterling again. That was cool. Yeah, so Mark Sterling's there and he basically interrupts and Jade, you know, starts to say like, you know, nobody represents me in Sterling. Sterling base or no, I'm nobody's, you know, I'm my own boss type thing, but Sterling stops her and says, no, 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 I understand. Like, you know, Hardy, he always, he already represents a team and he's got a girl there. Uh, Vicky, she's got her, you know, thing going on me. I don't have anybody and I'm not going to be your boss. Uh, You're going to be my boss. And basically, you know, pitch to her that it will be all about her. And, you know, so it's, Kind of lean towards that he might be the person that's, I mean, and basically I was like, yes, finally something going like, you know, somewhere. And Jade seemed a little bit interested. And then she was like, 
well, I don't know who you think you are. You don't interrupt my promo and blah, blah, and then got mad and walked off. She also told him to exit stage left, and he went stage right, basically. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see any of this anymore. I don't want to see Jade Cargo on my TV again unless she's in a match. Actually, please just stop this. I think he did go the right way because I think stage left is when you're looking at the stage. She, but he went out on her right. I don't, I don't know. know which as one long right. as as long as they ended this segment. <laughs> yeah, so it's they did take a baby step, as I said, in some type of direction, but she still has no manager or represent representative advocate, whatever you want to say. We then got another awesome match. Serena D versus Red Velvet for the NWA Women's Championship. Um, man, like, so I watched this, and this is a really good match between these two ladies. Um, and it was not like Red Velvet is pretty, pretty green for the most part. Uh, Serena Deeb is obviously a veteran. She was a trainer in NXT, so she basically knows how to, you know, she knows how to work, obviously. But you would think like. You don't really know how this match is going to go. You would imagine it would be pretty good, but you don't really know. And when you're working with somebody who's, you know, kind of green and still kind of getting into the business, you don't want to give them too much to do. But it's like Serena Serena just said, screw that. This is for the NWA Women's Championship. We're going to have an awesome match. And Red Velvet stepped up and they delivered. It was so good. I, I can't say it enough. I think Serena Deeb is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Like, not female wrestlers. I think she's one of the best wrestlers in the world. So, I actually like, I knew her. So... I'm sorry, go uh, ahead. Well, see, I knew her. Uh, like, I first was introduced when she was, like, she was in OVW the same time to, like, Mickey Jane. It was basically when all the, uh, like, the John Cena's Orton's, Batista's, like, that that group of, like, OVW people. I think she might have been right around that same time, maybe a little bit after. I know she was there when Blashley was there. But she was in the group with like Mickey James and Beth Phoenix. And she was like one of their top baby faces. And I remember seeing her and like she was great then. And for whatever reason, she didn't get brought up when like Beth Phoenix and Mickey James did. They held her for like ever. I think she was even in FCW and was their champion for a while. And then she finally got brought to the main roster. They shaved her bald. She was a bad guy. She was like their biggest baby face too. Uh, I think she ended up going heel like in FCW for a little while. But I mean, when she was there with like, I think she feud with Beth Phoenix and stuff as like the top baby face. And she was good then. And like, I just remember like I saw her like just clips of her. And I was just like, she seems like she's awesome. And when I saw her coming with CM Punk, I recognized her and I was like, Oh man, she's with CM Punk. This is gonna be great. And then she didn't ever do anything. She was just like a lackey. Uh, They shaved her head. She like never wrestled. I think she had like one match with like Kelly Kelly or something. And then they fired her because she supposedly liked to drink every now and then. And she was supposed to be playing a straight edge character and Vince got pissed. And I mean, eventually she, I mean, she uh, had basically retired from wrestling after that. Like she, um, I hope they tell her story one day because I think she kind of was at a really low point and she had her demons for sure that she was dealing with that she basically retired and then came back, went to the NXT and was a coach with um, Sarah Del Rey um, in the NXT. And obviously they let her go, but man, she's coming out now and proving how good she is and probably could have been this whole time. And I'm just like, how do you miss the boat on this girl for so long? 
And she's like arguably one of the best workers like in the world, especially as far as women go. She's fantastic. Yeah, I, I even saw some more AEW uh, people tweeting out, hey, Serena Deeb's the best, one of the best in the world. Like people need to recognize this. Gender aside, she's one of the best in the world. But uh, yeah, and it was also really interesting to see her play the heel in this match. Like she wasn't straight out a heel, but she played the heel in this match 100%. Yeah, because Red Velvet's got that natural baby face energy. I kind of, I kind of think she's like a, uh, I don't know, she's almost like a Bailey to me. Like when Bailey was starting out, just like extremely likable, uh, in my opinion, at least. It's kind of like a mix between like a Sasha Banks and a Bailey. It's weird, but she's got a really good thing going. I'm, I'm really liking what she's, what she, the, the vibe she's putting out. Natural yeah. baby face for sure. And I think Serena Deeb did a really good job of coming back from her injury and basically saying, you know what, uh, screw it. I'm going to fight for my championship. I'm going to do what, whatever it takes. And that's how they play this match. And I think it worked out really well. Yeah. I mean, basically the finish came. I mean, I would recommend just going to watch this match anyway because it was just fantastic. But uh, she was working on um, Velvet's leg a lot of the time. Uh, basically, you know, setting her up for the serenity lock. And uh, essentially... She hit her with a chop block, took her leg out, and like beat her leg into the mat, and then put her in the serenity lock before she would tap. And uh, she picked up the win here and retained the title. But man, this match was just awesome, just back and forth. As you said, she played heel in the match, but it made sense. And it wasn't because that's the thing is like you can work heel in a match, but you can still stay true to your character if the intent is there. Like, um, by that, I mean, they played it like Serena Deeb got hurt. This is her first match back. It's against Red Velvet, who's, you know, um, got a lot to prove and is a big challenge to her title. And so right out the gate, Serena just charged her. Like Red Velvet was, you know, out there and, you know, like she might want to start slow, but Serena just took it to her and was just like putting it on her early and just showed a lot of aggression. And that, I mean, the announcer correctly pointed out that, She's coming out here and trying to end this fast because she wants to prove a point, wants to show and defend her title, saying like, yeah, I might have been hurt, but this is my title. I'm not going to lose it. And she wanted to make a statement. And it fit within her character. It fit within the motivation. It doesn't make her a bad person. She just wanted to win the match at any cost. And yeah. it wasn't necessarily dirty. Like she didn't use any illegal, um, I mean, a chop block maybe, but like that's iffy. I mean, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's still a wrestling ring. It's not ballet. So she didn't use a weapon or anything and didn't, you know, uh, jab velvet in the eye or something to, you know, do what it like. It's, she wore teal, but you know, it was stayed true to her character, but, uh, just a great showing. And I'm praising Serena a lot, but man, red velvet, she held her own as well. Um, she's still young in this business, but she was like doing complicated spots here um of like counters and different moves and she did not miss a beat the entire time i mean she stayed right there with it It takes two to tango and she was right there with serena the whole time so props to her too like they they did an awesome job yeah i agree really enjoyed it we then got a Pac promo uh he was backstage with uh, alex marvez uh this is a good promo too he said uh he's missing tired of missing opportunities in AEW, but now he's got his world title match there's nothing that Omega Callus, the Young Bucks, or any of these elitists can do about it. And um, 
He asks what a fool would bet against the bastard, double or nothing. So Pac is ready. We then got Anthony Ngogo versus Austin Gunn. Uh, this was fine too. It was you know fairly quick. Uh, Anthony Ngogo. I guess the only thing that was odd was that he gut punched Austin Gunn like multiple times, and like that was his whole thing of like one punch and you're down. Like he did one punch and it knocked down Cody. One punch and it was like his finishing move. And I mean, granted, it's not like Austin Gunn got up and, you know, was running the ropes afterwards, but he still took like three punches to the gut. And I mean, he was spitting up blood, but yeah, they eventually stopped it and um, gave the win to a go-go here uh, just by ref stoppage. But I was just like, the whole thing is the punch. And he comes out here and just like punches this guy three times and it takes three essentially to beat him. Yeah. I don't know how smart that is, but well, it's a convincing win. <laughs> on one hand, Austin Gunn is undefeated. On the other hand, he's Austin Gunn. Right. So it's hard to, hard to go by there. I don't know. I feel like Cody had a big middle finger to all the critics. Cause he literally came out draped in the American flag, which is hilarious. I love yeah. that. Um, and they did a good spot where, um, cause I mean, listen, there's, there's been a history, especially with people in this company involving flags. And I mean, listen, we know how our country is about the flag at times too. So it's, you know, not like it's, you know, it, it's sensitive here as well. So I was actually kind of surprised that he brings out the flag, not that he just brought it out, but that a go-go teased spitting on the flag cause he took it from Cody and then basically tossed it up in the air and Cody like desperately tried to catch it and keep it from hitting the ground. And I was like, Ooh, if he would have missed and that flag would hit the ground, I could see <laughs> yeah, a lot of people getting upset about it. Yeah. I definitely think so as well. Um, I don't know. So I, I, man, I'm really not super sold on Anthony Gogo in the ring. I've literally seen him do two moves. Um, so hopefully he has more to pull out, but I- I'm hoping that at least him and Cody did like NXT style and if at least worked on a match together. Yeah, maybe Especially so. since, because this is going to be a big moment for Anthony Gogo. If he goes out there and, you know, puts on a crapper, then ugh, not, not a good way to start. So I think they know that. Uh, QT is also great. And I mean, listen, we've got, we saw what Red Velvet could do in such a short time. And she's, you know, one of the products of the factory. So, um, and, and take Conti being another one of like these very much improved wrestlers after, you know, being AEW and working with QT. So hopefully it's paid off for Mr. Ogogo here, but I would also kind of imagine that him and Cody have kind of been working on some stuff and at least know what they're going to do going into this. I don't think he's going to go in and they're going to call in the ring or something. I think they've got a pretty good plan set. So. Yeah, maybe so. We'll see a double or nothing. I'm not totally uh, against it yet. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I'm not like super looking forward to it either, but it is what it is. Then we got an uh, SCU promo, uh, mainly from Kazarian, because Alex Marvez is here with Daniels and Kazarian. Uh, Marvez asked Daniels to, you know, basically elaborate on his tweet that he gave about, you know, possibly retiring. Daniels walked up and shook hands with Kazarian, whispered something to him, and just walked off, which led to Kazarian cutting a very passionate promo said Daniels earned his right to be, you know, to basically call his own shots, walk, you know, walk away if he wants to. 
but he said he blames the Bucks, Gallows, Anderson, Don Callis, the entire group for ripping his heart out. He says he'll get get his revenge, and that's the, the gospel according to Frank Kazarian. This is a really good promo. I mean, listen, all over the show were just fantastic promos. And this is another one of just a super passionate promo. Yeah, I feel like Kazarian's going to kill all these guys. It was great. Yeah, I, I can't wait for Frankie Kazarian, Punisher, uh, whatever mode he's going into, Headhunter Kazarian, something. I am really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. And I don't know if you, I would imagine you saw um, BTE, they had the Christopher Daniels. He gave a little bit of a speech that was yeah. very heart-wrenching at the very beginning of it. I was kind of hoping they would show it on Dynamite, but I was kind of fine with him just kind of, because that was more of a, it felt like a retirement thing where this kind of does leave it up in the air of like him just kind of walking away and Kazarian saying he, he can call it, you know, whenever he wants to. So I like that they kind of left it more up in the air at this point. Yeah, I definitely don't think he's retiring yet. He's going to have at least one more match. Yeah, I think so too. So. Uh, and just the theme of the night, another great promo. Miro comes out. Uh, he thanks Jesus Christ for protecting him, which is great. And then he made it even better by saying he thanked Jesus Christ for giving him the strength and aggression to beat the crap out of everybody. I love this, man. It's so good. He, like, I'm pretty sure that Miro actually is a religious person, like in real life, but I love that he's he's basically like rolling the whole, I don't know, like fake Christian, like sports, uh, thank you Jesus for this championship or whatever, but also he rolls it into the thank you Jesus for making me the best and able to defeat everybody, which is, uh, man, I love it. It's such a good thing for a heel to roll with. Yeah, and uh, basically, he he promised to defend his title next week. So some sorry sucker will find out who it is. But uh, he's <laughs> he's in for next week. So uh, actually, I'll go ahead and say it ended up being Dante Martin who he's going to fight next week. So write uh, letters to his family, uh, start a GoFundMe page for his funeral, <laughs> um, whatever you have to. Because his brother's already injured. We don't want to injure him too. Oh man, he's going to get destroyed. But um, as Mir is cutting his promo, this brings out Lance Archer, who comes out with Jake Roberts. Uh, I was kind of like not psyched about this because I love Lance Archer. I love Miro. I think they're going to have a great match. But I kind of would like to see this have a longer build. Very similar to how they got the belt off Darby and he's immediately getting into this match with, I mean, not immediately, I guess, but it feels rushed. The match with him and uh, Sky and Paige and Sting. So this is the same way. Like it feels Miro just won the belt and like Archer is like immediately going to face him at the pay-per-view. I'm sure they're going to have a great match, but I would like to see these two guys have a longer build. So um, that's the only downside yeah. of it. But. I think it's super rushed, but I think they wanted to have a good match for double or nothing. I'm fine with that, but I yeah. thought the segment was great. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Archer cuts a great promo says he's been a monster in AW since Miro uh, was basically still in WWE is what he was saying. Uh, Archer says uh, he'll make Miro his Bulgarian B-word at double or nothing, and he'll give everybody they'll give everybody a monster fight that hasn't been seen since Godzilla and Kong. And Archer cut a great promo, and uh, then Miro came right back and just one-upped him, said that he always hides behind Jake, but that he won't be able to hide behind him at double or nothing. He even says all the yoga in the world won't protect you if I get my hands on you talking to Jake. Like, which is a great line. And then he said, 
your your music or whatever says everybody dies and you, that's right everybody does die but i'm going to make sure you're the first one and just awesome promo from these guys they're they're ready to kill each other jake's having to hold the guy back i mean at this point honestly i don't even know why jake is there because he started out as lance archer's uh, mouthpiece but he hasn't been a mouthpiece as of late and archer's done pretty well on his own cutting promo so Maybe maybe it is time for Jake to get killed by Miro at the pay-per-view and uh, right off into the sunset. I hope not. I hope he doesn't take any more bumps. That well, one I mean, bump he took last time, man, it, uh, man, it killed him. <laughs> he didn't have to take a, a huge bump or anything, but definitely getting put in the game over or something and uh, you know just having a way to ride him out. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be an awesome match, but I wish it had a little bit longer of a build. But like you said, it's still probably going to be an awesome match on the show, so can't complain too much. Yeah. Uh, we then, I think this is when it happened. <laughs> this was like, I get why they did it, but like it was just like overwhelming amount of information. They basically did like a fast, here's what's coming next week, mixed in with here's what's happening on uh, coming up at Double or Nothing. They basically announced the pay per view and the card next week, like all at once in like the fastest like way possible for the announcer to get through. I don't remember. If, I think it was like, right before the main event when they did it. And it was just like a bombardment with information. <laughs> and I was like, I know this is like trying to fit all of this in on this go home show. That's essentially what this is. Uh, they're trying to get people to know what's coming next week, but honestly they want you to know from this show what's on double or nothing. And who is a lot of information. So I don't even remember everything they said, but, basically give us a rundown of what's happening next week and then the card of what's going to happen at double or nothing. And this led us to our main event of the show, which man, I, I enjoyed a lot of stuff on the show. I think this is my favorite thing. This is to me, the best match on the show. I loved was, every second of this. It was really good. I really liked it. Um, basically this was not your standard, uh, young bucks match. They were the complete heels here. We obviously had the varsity blondes being the baby faces. Uh, the, the young bucks come out. They're cocky. They've got their, you know, their Jordans on. They got their, Matt, or uh, Nick's got this fuzzy like thing on. He goes and hands it to like a la Bret Hart handing the shades to a fan. He goes out and gives his little furry hat thing to Michael Nakazawa who like poses in front of the camera. I thought it was hilarious. They get in the ring with the varsity blondes. And the varsity blondes take it to these two fools. They're just like beating the snot out of them. Nick is bouncing around like a ping pong ball, like just getting the crap beat out of them. They get sent packing. Basically they go to the outside. The young bucks are out there with, uh, um, uh, Brandon Cutler. They're all furious. Nick is like oh, enough of this. He gets in, he starts getting the ring. He's like walking through the ropes. His foot gets hung up on the ropes. He falls in face plants like a geek. Cutler and Matt throw their hands up in the air like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> he rolls out of the ring. Nick does. He's furious still. He kicks the guardrail in frustration. Then he grabs his foot and falls on the ground and sells it. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> like, this is so amazing. I love these young bucks. Like, It's just perfect hilarious. for him. It really is. I'm glad they finally accepted their role. I, I understand why they had to be faces coming on because they're EVPs and everything, and they had to be the faces of the company for a little while. But I love them as heels. I think they're perfect as heels. 
And man, as much as the Young Bucks were great in this match, like the Varsity Blondes, man, like you'd think the Young Bucks would be the ones carrying this match, being the veterans and being the big names. But like the Varsity Blondes were really the highlights of the match, which is great. I know that's what good heels do. They make the baby faces look good. But the Varsity Blondes were making themselves look good in this match. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier when we were talking about the promo. And, you know, I was going to praise them later in the show. And I'm right there with you. They're like, they were great. They were great baby faces to these awesome buck heels. They were just like beating them, beating them from pillar to post. Uh, the bucks were just, you know, flopping around for them, but they were just like taking it to them. And I had been more impressed with Griff Garrison, uh, you know, in their early showings as a team. But Pillman Jr. in this match was really great as well. I mean, he obviously cut an awesome promo at the you know beginning of the show, but he was great in this match too. He was doing a lot of good stuff. Um, they were taking it to the Bucks early. Um, just like I said, just beating the crap out of them, making them look like fools. Obviously, the Young Bucks did, you know, get get the advantage at, at some point and were basically, you know, teaming up on Pillman. Um until he was able to basically hit a cross body on Nick, got a Garrison with a hot tag. Obviously, Griff Garrison's got a great hot tag. So he's running wild, doing basically a stinger splash on both young bucks, threw him into the corner and uh, did it like a double splash, hit him with a double spear. You look like Edge doing that. Uh, hit a, you know, over the top rope dive to the outside. Uh, just, you know, went crazy. It was awesome. Um, so they're just, you know, fantastic. They're on top and Pillman gets in there. Uh, Matt and Nick finally, you know, get the advantage back on him. They hit him with double kicks to the back. Um, Pillman's able to hit a super kick for a near fall. Uh, Matt gets the blind tag. He puts Pillman in the sharpshooter and uh, Nick is able to grab the spray, like the cold spray that Cutler uses on him. He sprays Pillman in the eyes when he's in the, the sharpshooter and, um, Julia gets up on the ring apron at one point to, you know, tell the ref because he he grabs the can again is going to use it. And um, she she points it out to him. Uh, and so the referee grabs can and throws it, tosses it away. But Cutler has the second one, throws it in. They actually spray uh, Julia hard in the face with it. So she's down. Uh, Pillman tries to get it to break the sharpshooter. But um, Nick hits him with a face buster. Uh, he goes to, on the outside and takes out uh, Garrison again with like the punt kick, which looked awesome. And finally, Pillman had no choice but to tap out. Uh, just an awesome match, awesome main event. The Young Bucks were amazing. This is one of their best outings as a heel team, in my opinion. Farsi Blondes, this is their best showing. And Julia Hart did well, you, you know, even in her role. But man, like, I'm excited to see the Varsity Blondes, where they go from here. Like, I hope they don't do like a private party and slowly kind of fall back and then kind of get forgotten about because private party has kind of been that way. They, you know, they got the big upset against the bucks, you know, early on in the company, but haven't really done much since then. I really hope they keep going with the varsity blondes and make them a premier tag team in this company. Cause they've, they've got something I think with these guys. Yeah, I agree. I really like them. And uh, I, I think they definitely had the shot to be the top, top team in the company one day. Yeah, uh, they were fantastic, and uh, it's it's rare, but it can happen where a team comes out win or lose, but especially sometimes they'll come out of a loss looking better, and I think they did here. Yeah, definitely, they got the big spotlight and a match for the titles. Yeah, and uh, after 
basically if the match is over. I even love this. Um, Young Bucks obviously win. They they got uh, their you know cold spray out there. Uh, there was um, Brandon Cutler was in the ring with them. Don Callis even got in the ring. And uh, when who should come out? But Moxley and Kingston. Obviously, they are you know poised to meet each other at Double or Nothing. But they come in, uh, basically sneak in and slowly come up behind them. Callis and Cutler spot them, so they tuck tail and run. Young Bucks slowly turn around. And they get jumped by Moxley and Kingston, put them in sleeper holds, choke them out. The young Bucks are just dead in the ring. They're knocked out. And Moxley and Kingston get up, take a look at those nice Nikes they got on, and they start taking their shoes off. <laughs> they oh, take their it. shoes, take their socks. They go out there, they sit on the ramp, they're holding their shoes up. The young Bucks get up there barefoot, saying they're going to get going to get their revenge. Just an awesome. Not only did they steal their shoes, they stole their socks. Yes. Shoes and socks. Love they it. left barefoot. Yeah, that was awesome. I, I just gotta say, man, I love this show. Like there were a couple of things in the show that like kind of had my head scratching, but nothing that was like bad. Everything was fine for what it was. Even the low points were quick. They were what they needed to be, but they got through them like the Jade Cargill stuff, the Sheeta rebel stuff. But that was like the weakest points of the night. Other than that, everything was like so great. Like just a great overall wrestling show. Uh, disappointed that it did what it did in the ratings, even though it wasn't you know necessarily the worst. But um, I, I hate that more people didn't see this because it was a great show. And it was a great go-home show for Double or Nothing. So I'm going to just go ahead and go right into it. Uh, if I had to give this grade, I would definitely give it an A+. I just really? really like the show. Wow. I bet, is that the first A-plus you've given? I think so. Wow, I think that's crazy. It's probably uh, the mainly, first time that you give it a higher rating than I do. Well, I was kind of thinking, was I going to get an A or A-plus? Because I just enjoyed it so much. But I feel like the strong points, like the matches that were so great and that I enjoyed so much, and the, all the great promos just totally trumped anything that was even minor on the show at all. Like even, like I said, the low points on the show weren't even bad, but they were so quick and everything else was so great. It just pushed it above it for me. So yeah, I think it was an A plus show. I really enjoyed it. That's great. I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. Uh, I think it was a very good show. I don't think it was quite a plus quality show like last week's show. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think if I gave it a grade, I'd give it an A. Still very good. A very enjoyable show. Great matches, great promos. Nothing that really knocked my socks off like last week. And uh, they did have the main event promo, which I hated. The main event was great. I loved it, but it it wasn't it wasn't a title. That was, that was a Young Bucks losing their socks joke, but I couldn't. Uh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you, yeah, Eddie <laughs> Kingston. Man, that that final shot of Eddie Kingston like menacingly laughing and grinning as he took their shoes might be my favorite moment in AEW history, though. Like that was just so good. It's hilarious. So, yeah, we I guess we basically just swapped because uh, I th- believe last week you gave that show an A plus, or it might have been the. Yeah, I think it was, it was last, last week. week. Was and I gave it an A. I won the title, which is last week. Yeah, so I think we just swapped grades this week. But, I, I mean, listen, either way you slice it, a really good show. Uh, highly recommend, you know, going to watch it if you had not seen it. Um, if not, just for the promos, because they're great promos all throughout. And it'll get you geared up for double or nothing. But, I mean, the matches are great too. So I would recommend it, especially the tag match, the Serena Deeb Red Velvet match. Uh, just a ton of good stuff on the show. So you can't really go wrong here. Um, but yeah, 
it's it's leading in double or nothing. Uh, as Micah said, I'm sure we'll have a preview show. Um, I'm guessing we'll probably just go ahead and do it for next week's show since we're not going to have a dynamite. We might as well go ahead and do a preview show. So yeah, I think uh, we'll we're probably to... going to record it next Wednesday or Thursday and upload it probably next Friday. Yeah, so it'll be on the regular Friday time slot because um, we won't be able to we'll, – we'll post this before Dynamite actually airs. But it's – like we said, this is the main go-home show, I think, so I think we're not going to miss a whole lot on that show. Um, but we will kind of go through our preview show, and that will be the regular show next week. But, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it, man. Um, is there anything else, Micah, that we missed or need to go over before? I don't think so. Uh, I'm not 100% sure how the next week's Dynamite review is going to go um, because we're going to be at that Dynamite show, yeah. and then we're going to have the Fan Fest the next day, and then the next day we're going to have uh, Double or Nothing. So I'm not 100% sure how that's going to go. Um, but either way, next Friday we will have something to upload for you guys. Most likely it'll be the Double or Nothing preview. I would imagine we would do the preview show, would go up on Friday, and then the uh, following Tuesday, which would normally be like the indie focus uh, slot, that's probably when we'll do our review, I would imagine. Yeah. That's usually how Matt likes to do it. Yeah, that's probably what we'll end up doing. Yeah, so keep an eye out for those. Um, Keep an eye out for – I would recommend going and watching Double or Nothing. Uh, As Micah said, they'll be there live. Uh, I will not be, but still – I think it's going to be an awesome show. So you guys should check it out for sure. But yeah, we appreciate you guys for listening each week. Uh, We're getting ever closer to episode 200. So uh, just keep an eye out for that as well. Um, This, you know, you'll be listening on Friday. I think we'll have an indie focus uh, this coming Monday or Tuesday before our our, uh, AEW Dynamite review. But as we said, guys, we appreciate everybody for listening each week. Um, If you guys like the show, uh, make sure you share it with your friends. Let somebody know. And uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook if you're not already, on Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio, uh, Wrestle Life Pod on Twitter. Matt is on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestle Life Matt. Um, I'm on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. And we're all on the Facebook from time to time posting with you guys. If you guys have a question, comment, or you want to tell us about your review of the show, what you guys thought of it, did you think it was an A plus? Let us know what you think. Comment on uh, our Facebook post. Send us a message. We always love talking with you guys. We appreciate you tuning in each week. But we'll sign off for now, and we will catch you guys next week. See you then.